This is Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. From the corporate office to the cab of a truck, they're here to inspire and empower women in all professions. So gear down, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy DeCaro. We're a show that works to inspire and empower women in every profession and lifestyle, including the office, trucking, the trades, and even motherhood. We power women on the road to success. We tackle all kinds of topics and we work to encourage women to be their very best with informative guests and women who've been champions. I'm Shelley. And I'm Kathy. No topic is taboo on our rig. We tackle the tough topics along with the not-so-tough topics. And we like to feature experts and celebrities who can assist women in being the very best they can be. Everyone needs a champion and inspiration in their lives, especially women. Jean Peelan is one of these people. She walks the walk. She's also a woman who's had six careers. Jean has moved mountains as a mother, civil rights attorney, former chief of staff for U.S. Broadcasting, a model on QVC Shopping Channel, and she was shortlisted as a finalist for the show Survivor. She was also a politician, and she's now an author. She teaches women it's never too late to accomplish their dreams, and she's still crushing it at 82. She inspires women of all ages with her group Old Women Who Write. Her new autobiography, Feisty, was released this year, and we've invited her back on the show to talk about it. Feisty's the story of a woman with attitude, told in short reflections that capture a life of awakening activism. From Jean's exploits as a five-year-old New Jersey cowboy to hosting Gloria Steinem in Alabama to an awkward drink with a young Clarence Thomas, Jean Peelan shares her civil rights journey and the most vulnerable moments in her life. This book is funny and sad, deep and wide. Feisty shines a light on what's possible when a woman rejects the role she's expected to fulfill and finds her own path. Jean's an amazing lady, and I must say, she sports a superwoman costume very well. That's on the cover of her book, with an F for Feisty. Jean's on the show with us today, and we're honored to have her back. Welcome, Jean. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. I've been wondering how you guys are doing. I so enjoyed the first interview we had together at least, what, six months ago, maybe? Yeah. Welcome back, beautiful lady. Yes. Thank you. you. I'm happy to be here and happy the book is done and it's out in the world. (laughs) I don't have to be here. Yeah, it's very exciting. That's always a sense of accomplishment. It's like, it's done. (laughs) Yes, you got it. You got it. This this has been sort of amazing. You know, I started Feisty during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. actually because I was bored out of my mind. And with, because I live in a tiny house, in a tiny house village in Western North Carolina. And the only thing there was to do here before the pandemic was Tuesday night taco trivia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and when and and so I was already bored. So when the pandemic hit, oh my gosh, I didn't know what to do because I couldn't even do taco trivia <laughs> anymore. So I decided to write. And you know, three years later, it's really out there. It's on Amazon. It is in the hands of all my friends and family and hundreds approaching thousands of other people out there already. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. 
Oh, I'm not. Your, <laughs> your story is so incredible. And you're such an incredible lady. Oh, my goodness. And I love the title Feisty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, that just came from sort of who I am and from it came from the first yeah. story in the book where where I tell why this book is called Feisty. Mm -hmm. Did you I didn't know. Did you want me to, you know, this book Feisty is has 65 chapters, which sounds like, oh, my God, mm -hmm. war and peace. However, each chapter is so short, it's a page or a page and a half. OK, that somebody can read it you know, when they're going to bed at night or whenever, and they can read a whole chapter and feel real good about it. And it's only been a page. Mm -hmm. so, did you want me to read it all while we're talking here? You like, can. How about you give us a summary of what it's all about? I mean, sure. um, how about we start out with when you wanted to be a five-year-old New Jersey cowboy, <laughs> where it all started. I love that. What is a five-year-old New Jersey cowboy? Okay. Well, I will tell you, and I will even read it to you. Okay. But, the the what was going to say the idea of feisty really or sort of the underlying thought of the whole book was the world wanted me to nest i wanted to fly Ooh, and that underlines like that. everything it underlines my life really so okay let me tell you, let me read you because i think you'll enjoy it okay what i wanted this is called 1949, age eight, because this book goes through my life from age five to age 80, <clears throat> 82 now. So what I wanted, there aren't any cowboys in New Jersey. Even so, every night I slide out of bed quietly so as not to wake my sister. I put on the white half mask I got for Halloween and stand at the end of my bed facing the closet where the bad guys live. I let my hands drift over my pretend six guns ready to shoot. It's a face down. I walk slowly, leather holsters slung around my hips, down the dusty street toward the bad guy. You sure you want to do this, partner? I ask, my voice soft but powerful. He cowers at the sight of me and my guns. I fast draw my guns. The bad guy surrenders, hands up. I perform this theater over and over, never tiring of the look of surprise on the bad guy's faces and the feeling of power flowing through me. I learned everything I know about being a hero cowboy from the four o'clock Western. Good guy line, come on cowboy, you know that's not the right thing to do. Bad guy line, we'll ambush them in the canyon. Cowboys never seem afraid and never seem to doubt the outcome, while the bad guys are always wrong about it. The good guys in the movies never draw first. They wait for the bad guy to make the first move, then beat him to the draw. I'm not sure it's a great idea to wait for the bad guy to draw first. I would want the advantage. I think I can draw first and still be a good guy. I could be the first New Jersey cowboy. I love it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I that love is great. it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so every, every chapter in Feisty... It goes through my whole life, as I said, from age five to age 82. But every chapter is just a moment in time. It's just presented. It's a conversation with my mother or an experience which was not good with the school janitor or having a drink with my then boss, Clarence Thomas, you know, or all the way through my life. Every I just picked moments that have stayed in my mind for years and years. And sometimes 
I don't, didn't, don't even know why. I mean, did you ever have um, memories that stay in your mind and oh, you yeah. don't know quite why? Why are they so present, even when they didn't seem to mean a whole lot at the mm -hmm. time? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Um, that, that's what I did with Feisty. I mean, I talked about, I talk about births, deaths, you know, marriages, divorces, lovers, whatever. But I also started writing down those small memories because my thought was if they've stayed in my brain for all these years, they have to have some meaning. They have to have raised some emotion in me. And I started, that's, that's what I really loved about writing Feisty. I got to look at all those old little memories and write them down and understand why they mattered. That's a rare opportunity. It I really wanna... is. It's kind it's of not... cathartic, isn't it? To, oh, to my God. Something it's, like it, that. It's the cheapest therapy in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've recently been going on um, TikTok and talking to people about write your life. You know, write your life. Yeah. Uh, because it is so therapeutic. I had always wondered. I don't know if you all wonder, I think you all are too young to wonder this much about what my life really had been about. You know, what was it? It seemed like to me, it was sort of a series of random events that just popped up. And some I said, okay, and some I said, no, but I never knew really what it was about. And because I didn't know, I didn't know if I had lived a good life or, or if I, a bad life or what it was and writing about my life has made such a difference for me i'm now very comfortable that my life had a meaning it's had purpose uh it had a storyline you know through mm -hmm. line um i can't tell you the joy that i've had from writing it and that's even before it got published so you know your life has been so amazing with all of the different changes you went through and you in spite of it all hung on to who you are you didn't want to conform you wanted to be Jean. you didn't yes. want to be this person that everybody said you had to be that's which, absolutely correct that's so inspirational for so many people because i think we all get stuck into this cubby hole don't we here you sit yeah. here and you stay there yes Yes, absolutely. I absolutely think that. Yeah. And, you know, lest you, lest you and your listeners think that everything in here is serious and, you know, that I, I did become a civil rights lawyer at age 35, well, I was 38 before I got out of law school with two kids. But lest you think that everything was serious and I'm just a driven person for public service, let me read you a little chapter called Don't Fence Me Out. Okay. It was in 1980 and I was 39 years old and I had moved from Alabama and law school to Washington, D.C. to the big, the big leagues. Okay, don't fence me out. I have one leg over the top of the tall fencing when the searchlight hits me. The D.C. Metro police car pulls further into the alley and stops. Freeze! There's not a single excuse I can make for where I am and what I'm doing. The bar manager's parting words as he closed the bar tonight, sure, come on over to my place anytime, meant to me, come on over tonight. 
I didn't know about any security fence, but between me and Johnny Walker Red, I wasn't going to let that stop me. I freeze as ordered, working to keep my balance on top of the fence. Oh God, I can picture the headline in the Washington Post, federal attorney arrested breaking into local bar manager's house. I am hot for the bar manager. I look at him and see bad boy romance. He's everything I should not want. A high school dropout, Vietnam Marine, a macho man, a bar manager. He's the direct opposite of what the world would have me look for, a successful lawyer or businessman. But I see tall, tough, smart, funny, rule breaker, and very, very sexy. I hear laughter. The cops are laughing. He must be really good at it, one snickers from within the car. I know the voice. It's one of the many cops that hang out at his bar. They know him and they know me. The bar manager's back door opens. He comes out, baseball bat held as weapon. What the hell, he says. Oh, it's just one of your friends come to see you, yells the cop. The bar manager grabs my hand to help me over. Welcome, he says. That's it. I like it. That's hilarious. That's it. That's it. So, yes, I was doing civil rights work during the day. I was working um, on policies uh, to ensure that women, female athletes, got equal opportunity in, in schools and colleges all over the country. I was working to be sure that um, limited English proficient children got educated, that children with disabilities got educated, um, on all of those issues. But in my spare time, I was having a good time. <laughs> you know, that's kind of key, isn't it? We forget yeah. how to have a good time along with everything that we're doing. Yes, yes. I think we do. I think we do. And I think we've got to allow ourselves, you know, to say, right now, I'm going to have a really good time. You know, right now I am. Now, later in my life and later in the book, I talk about Johnny Walker Red got out of hand. You know, and I had to take some serious steps about that. But the thing is, with Feisty, a memoir in little pieces, it's all in here. I hide nothing. I don't hide the wonderful times and I don't hide the really hard times. They're all here, page by page. It's basically my life on a plate is how I think of this mm, book. Sure. You know, anybody who's read it knows more about me than my mother ever knew for sure, you know? Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Dean Michael, the tax doctor here. I have one question for you. Do you want to stop worrying about the IRS? If the answer is yes, then look no further. I've been around for years. I've helped countless people across the country and my success rate speaks for itself. So now you know where to find good, honest help with your tax problems. What are you waiting for? If you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS or haven't filed in years, call me now at 888-557-4020 or go to mytaxhelpmd.com for a free consultation and get your life back. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors, 
with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you're enjoying this informative episode of Women Road Warriors, I wanted to mention Kathy and I explore all kinds of topics that will power you on the road to success. We feature a lot of expert interviews. Plus, we feature celebrities and women who've been trailblazers. Please check out our podcast at womenroadwarriors.com and click on our episodes page. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, YouTube, and other sites. And tell others about us. We want to help as many women as possible. According to our guest author, Jean Peelin, the underlying idea behind her autobiography, Feisty, is the world wanted me to nest, I wanted to fly. Jean suggests people write their life because it's therapeutic. Her autobiography is an inspiration to everybody, and it teaches women that no matter what they're taught, they can be anyone they want to be. Jean Peelan sure has. She's had six careers in her lifetime with adventures many women can only dream of. They led her to help so many people who had no voice. Jean talks candidly in her book about good times, hysterically funny times, and serious times that guide the reader on a journey to Jean's self-awareness as she realized and achieved her true purpose. Feisty's truly inspiring. She talks about life and all of its quirky twists and turns. You know, Jean, that really is the way life is. We have all of these experiences and it shapes us. And we really always have to, I think, take a step back and say, who am I? I don't think a lot of people know that. And I think you've had maybe a better handle on who you are. And I, I don't think I did. I think no. I now. Okay. I, yeah, I, I don't think I did. I agree with you completely that most of us, we just don't think about it. We, you know, we just, or we don't want to dwell on it. We don't want to know, or we get disappointed in ourselves or something. But, you know, one of the things I realized by writing this was that it's the bad times in my life. I mean, it's the crisis times childhood molestation, for instance, that shaped me. It wasn't the good times. It Mm. was the difficult times that really sort of honed my character, that gave me insight into what I wanted to do in my life. And that was a big discovery for me. That as much as I dreaded and said, oh, that was awful. What happened was terrible it had an effect on who I became. You wanted to make a difference. It galvanized you. I did. I did. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, particularly with the molestation part, that piece, I I felt so voiceless when that happened. I was like 10 years old. And I can remember the feeling of powerlessness and voicelessness. That's a long word, voicelessness. I remember it so strongly And I don't remember making any commitment about it, but what happened in my life was almost everything I've done is geared toward giving voice to the voiceless, everything. And really the voiceless, it can be everything from, from, of course, working in civil rights areas. It can mean fostering animals, fostering dogs who are voiceless when they're strays and they end up in the pound. It can mean, it can mean on the little island I lived on for 10 years off the west coast of Florida, when it was attacked by developers and Airbnb, and the communities were being, little communities that had been there forever were being pushed out, 
destroyed, you know, it meant that they were the voiceless ones. So it doesn't only mean, oh, you have to go into civil rights work. You know, it can mean that you give voice to people or animals or whatever situations around you where you see that there are some people in power and some people not in power or animals. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So you can tell that writing this was enormous for me. Enormous. Enormous. Well, it's wonderful that people can get to know you. The incredible things you did and the things you're still doing. And you're telling people with this book that everyone can make a difference. Every yes. single one of us. Yes. Yes. And the difference doesn't have to be, you know, worldwide. You don't have to start an international, you know, nonprofit. It can be right in your home, you know, in your own backyard, in your own yeah. neighborhood. Yes, yep. absolutely. And even in your own home, because I mean, even changing the relationships you have, you know, that yeah. may be tense or unhappy or, you know, have a history of conflict, even that you know, is, is huge. And it can be the purpose for you. Um, that's, that's, that's how I see it. Now, can I tell you about, I just came back from two weeks in the Washington DC area where I had eight book events. Wow. And, and I know, and a lot of them, a lot of the people who came to the events were people that I worked with 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 35 years ago. And I haven't seen since then. So this whole trip was like a trip of love. I mean, a trip of reunion. Um, just amazing catching up on their lives as they could catch up on mine by picking up the book. But I had to, you know, find out about their lives. But it has been such a joy, such a joy. You can tell I'm on a high here. Oh, know? yes, and you should be. Oh, my goodness, Jean. <laughs> I can I can tell you, would you like to hear when I moved to my tiny house for about my fifth or sixth retirement? Oh, sure. Um, yep. My fifth or sixth retirement. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, this is called, it's chapter 62, so it's near the end of the book. It's called Tiny Living and 2018, and I was 77 years old. The woman pulls her lumbering old dog to a halt. Hi, you're new here, right? Yes, I say, just moved here a few weeks ago. From Florida, for some reason, everybody moves here, either from Vermont or Florida. Florida, I couldn't stand the heat or the tourists anymore. Yep, I saw them bringing in your tiny house about a month ago. It's a nice one. Do you know which builder built your house? There are differences in quality, you know. Are you having the front porch screened? Are you having a back porch built on? I squirm at this degree of neighborhood of neighbor interaction. <laughs> Old condo in Florida, only one other person lived in my building year round. Other than saying hello, if we crossed paths, I didn't know her. In this North Carolina tiny house village, every day is a dog parade with over 50 folks traipsing around the village and gathering little groups to chat. The woman's dog strains at the leash, anxious for the dog park. Yes, I like it so far. Do you have questions? Anything I can help you with? I decide to shock her. Yes. Do you know how to get a prescription for marijuana in North Carolina? <laughs> I am unfamiliar with the rules here about marijuana. Why would you need a prescription? 
Well, because it's illegal, but I read that THC could stave off Alzheimer's. It is illegal. There are no exemptions for medical marijuana in this state, but there are a couple of folks here in the village that can get it for you. I can ask one to get in touch with you. What? There are drug dealers here? She laughs. Okay, if that's how you see it. Most of us are over 50 with accompanying aches and pains. Some of us just want to get high, like having a drink before dinner. Some of us want to sleep better. Yes, please. I would like to have someone contact me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I am now. <laughs> oh. so, so do you still talk to this person or are they? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Okay. Are you kidding? I, got, I got marijuana from her. Oh, okay. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's so it's so funny. But on a serious note, because throughout the book, I'm really talking about women and to women. You know, mm -hmm. it, it is my life as a woman growing up in the 1940s, 50s. However, I'm seeing that it's not all that different now. I'm, I spoke to a group of 60 young women two weeks ago in, in the DC area by Zoom. They were in the West Coast, East Coast, and Europe. And they were all young. And I, was, I rewrote my speech three times because I was so afraid they would not be able to connect with anything I'm saying in this book. And do you know, they got it in minute one and their experiences are very similar now in 2023 to what mine were in 1955. Why do you and think it, that is? You'd think there'd be some I, progress. I, I think they're not, well, first, I think there has been progress and they're not seeing it. They're young, you know, they didn't really know what it was like before. So okay. they don't see progress. They just see what they've known their whole lives. You know, when if they go to law school, they're sure that at least half the place is going to be women. The year before me in law school, there were only two women. You know, so sure. they know that, though. So they don't see it. But also, you know, I, I personally and, you know, I'm I don't want to put I'm not trying to put politics in here, small p politics in here even. But I think that there have been a lot of setbacks for women in the last several years in who we are and what control we have over our lives. Um, so in the last piece of the book at age 82, it's called, and now, and it says, and now I am 82 and looking back so much joy, so much suffering lessons lost and learned in my view from now old bones, I see the suffering as needless, just a gift from a woman controlling world. So many years of guilt for negligent mothering. Says who? Those who would keep us in the house. My children suffered too, caught in the same paradigm. Now I finally see the construct. It will always be a fight for us and none will be free until all are. Freedom should not come at such cost. You know, that's a fairly radical statement. But every young woman I spoke to got it, mm -hmm. heard it, understood it, you know, so, you know, and my last message in the book to my granddaughters is fight to fly, granddaughters, fight to fly. I like that. Fight to fly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fight to fly. 
Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Trucking Moves America Forward, or TMAF, is building a positive image of trucking by telling the story of the hardworking drivers and industry professionals who support the industry. And you can be a part of it. Learn more about TMAF and how you can join and be a part of the industry movement working to build a strong image of trucking by visiting TMAF's website at truckingmovesamerica.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our latest channel, TikTok. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. Everyone can make a difference in the world. Jean Peelan is living proof. She spent her life helping other people with six careers that have included being a civil rights attorney and former chief of staff for U.S. Broadcasting. She's been a champion for women and people who have no voice. Her autobiography, Feisty, is a memoir of her inspiring life that will motivate women to move mountains. Jean writes and talks about women and two women in her memoirs. It's her insight about what it was like to grow up over 60 years ago and how many women are still facing some of the same issues as well as obstacles. Her book empowers women with some very interesting, funny, and even sad stories to make changes to keep us moving forward. One of her last messages in her book is fight to fly. That's such a profound message for all women, Jean. I really like that. When you think about it, it does seem like women are pigeonholed perhaps more than men. Uh, as a woman, I've seen that. It's like you need yeah. to do, you should do, you should, should, should. Um, as I've said in the past, I stopped shooting on myself a long time ago. You know, yeah. it's like... Yeah. <laughs> Right. Why should I? That's not what I want to do. And why can't I do this? Right. Well, wouldn't it be wonderful if the world understood that uh, that there can be balances, uh, that I can be both a mother and a lawyer or a mother and a truck driver or a mother and anything else right. that I choose to be. And, you know, what happened is back after, oh, I hate to take you back to World War II, but in the in at when World War II was happening and all the men were fighting and all the women had to fill all the jobs. So they were out in the factories. And then the men came back from war. And what happened is the women didn't want to go back full time into the house. So there was a national campaign to make wifehood and motherhood holy, <laughs> to make it be your God-given purpose. And it was actually that campaign to get women back into the house so men could have the jobs back. I understand the, the reason, you know, mm -hmm. makes sense. People have to have jobs. Um, but that is what happened. And so it wasn't until the 1960s when women started saying, but wait a minute, I want to be, why can't I be in the house and out of the house, you know? Or why can't I be just out of the house? Or why can't I choose what I want to do? What if I don't feel like I'm born to be solely mother? You know? And those questions started getting asked. And you know what happened then? A lot of articles in books, magazines, even women's magazines, blaming working mothers for juvenile delinquency, 
homosexuality, um, pregnancies, unwed pregnancies, that it was because the woman was out of the house. Only in the 70s did we start reaching some kind of balance, you know? And I love that we have some balance. And I, I want us to be able to maintain it, you know, that that we can do both or we can choose one or the other without any stigma on yeah. us, without anybody saying, oh, you're a bad mother or, you know, you're not a real woman or anything like that. You know, sure. wouldn't that be lovely? Wouldn't that it, be would, lovely? it really would be. Because yeah. when, when you think about it, I think the questions are still asked. Do you have children? They, that's right. That's it's automatically right. asked of a woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's right. That's mm -hmm. absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there was that time once we stepped back out into the workplace when we we also felt like we had to do it all. You know, we had to be the super mother and we yeah. had to be the super, um, sorry, so worker. And that didn't work out so well. <laughs> I mean, you know, really. Yeah, we, we got exhausted and overtired and we were doing all the work. I sound more negative than I am. I'm not negative. I'm not a negative person. I'm <laughs> negative at all. Believe me. No, you're, you're being realistic. And it's interesting yeah. that women are still stigmatized, yes. maybe not in the same paid way. Less. I'm paid less. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they make a lot of different excuses as to why that is. Um, I don't think women necessarily are taught how to say, hey, this is what I deserve. Yeah. I, I think we'll take a back seat and say, oh, okay, well, that's probably good enough. You know, I agree with you. I sure do. Yeah. It happens sometimes because we don't know how, you know, we haven't been in the, the marketplace long enough to have learned the lessons that men learned by being there, like how to how to confidently negotiate a, a, a paycheck, you know, mm -hmm. a salary. Yep. We just haven't been there long enough to get really good at it. Yep. So I don't know. It's it's an interesting world we're living in. It is. And I've seen progress. I think that men are taking a more active role in many cases as parents to, yes. to assist their wives. And I think yeah. that's good because the children really need to know both parents. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. As we're talking, I'm moving into another room in my house because some great big motor has started. I don't know if you can hear it. I could hear it. A little bit. Yeah, I'll move out of the... Well, can you tell I'm broadcasting from the bathroom? <laughs> That's always a good place to be. What the heck? That's it's usually so when I get phone calls, too. So. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> True. Well. You've got just so many wonderful perspectives and so much wisdom and your experiences, your life experiences have been just super interesting, like hosting Gloria Steinem in Alabama. I mean, yes, Gloria, she's been a mentor. I mean, in the 1970s, she was huge. Yes, she is just she's certainly one of my heroes. I discovered many of my heroes are younger than I am, which is unusual. But I think we're around the same age, actually, now. Or not now always but yeah she was she was a hero of mine and she um she was the one who really woke up my female brain um she came and spoke when i was at the at finishing i had two kids and i went back to finish college because i had dropped out thinking i was dumb <laughs> years earlier and so and she came to speak and I thought, what is this stuff all about? I don't get it. I don't understand it. What is her problem? 
Um, and then I started reading about what she said and thinking about stuff that she said. Um, and then the first issue of Ms. Magazine came out and I remember reading it. And at the time I was in school trying to finish college and I was working full time and I was a mother to two children and my husband had a job, but that's all he did. He had a job. Uh, we worked the same hours, but I did the other things. And she had an article in that first issue of Ms. Magazine called, I want a wife. I thought, what, what, what do you mean? I want a wife. And I started reading it and it was all about the situation I was in. It was all about, um, yes, I, I would like a traditional wife, the kind that makes the dentist appointments, that takes the kids to school, that makes cupcakes for the, um, for the school parties, that um, keeps my calendar, that runs our, our social life, you know, plans our social life for us, that cooks good meals, that cleans the house, that works and brings in money, and I thought, holy moly, why haven't I heard this before? Why haven't I thought about this before? Any of it. So in the back of my mind, that article, I, I want a wife, stood out you know, in my mind. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, I understood something about the situation we were in, you know, as, as women. At that time, the situation we were in. And she really had an effect on my life. And I'm grateful to her. So she came to Alabama. I will tell this story. It's in the book. She came to Alabama along with a woman named Flo Kennedy, who was an outrageous kind of person. And, and uh, two friends and I who were just new, new to the women's movement, we didn't know what we were talking about or doing. We offered to pick them up at the airport. They were going to speak at the University of South Alabama. I can't imagine how they ever got invited, but they were going to speak. So my one friend who was an artist, um, she made t-shirts for us and a couple for them. And the t-shirts had great, big, very colorful. They were silk screened and they had a giant over decorated cupcake with, with lots of frosting on top and this evil looking razor blade sticking out of the frosting. And the sentence said, Southern feminists, Southerners feminists, Southern women are known for their sweetness. And so they got off the plane and three of us are standing there in these t-shirts. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what are they gonna think of us? We're here to pick them up, they're gonna be horrified. And they came off the plane and Gloria Steinem was then, she was gorgeous and tall and very New Yorkish and boots and jeans and big sunglasses and long hair. And Flo Kennedy was for some reason, I still don't know why, dressed like a cowboy. And, and off they came from the plane and they saw us and started laughing. They just laughed. And my friend pulled out two t-shirts for them. And I thought, oh, don't do that. They'll never put them on. Well, they dropped their bags and put those t-shirts over their heads and just grabbed us an arm in arm. The five of us walked out of the Mobile, Alabama airport. It was just yeah. fabulous. It truly was. Right. Yeah. Uh, nice. That's in the book, of course. Yeah. So what was Gloria Steinem like? to talk to. I mean, she really faced some adversity. Oh, yeah. Uh, she speaking did. out the way she did. Yes, she absolutely faced adversity and was and very brave. You know, she went undercover as a Playboy bunny one time. Oh, wow. I didn't <laughs> know that. That's pretty yeah, she interesting. Was a journalist. She was a journalist and, okay. and she's always doing research journalism. 
So she went undercover as a Playboy bunny in a Playboy club and for some months and then wrote a whole article about the horror of it, <laughs> of, of right. the experience. And she in person was and still is um, just gracious, a very gracious, lovely, warm, unassuming. I mean, you didn't get any hints of, you know, fame or that anything had gone to her head. She was just, I don't mean to be speaking about her as though she's dead because she's not. Her matter of fact, she has her, I think it's her 85th or something birthday next spring, um, which I hope to go to her party. Um, but but she, she, she was just lovely. I don't have another word for it. I mean, you knew you were really talking to a smart person, but mm -hmm. you were also talking to a humble person. Wonderful combination. And she inspired a lot of women. And Jean, you're doing the same thing. I I, oh, I, I find your entire career and all the things you've done for people just uh, monumental. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Kathy DeCaro is nothing short of amazing. She not only drives the world's biggest truck as a heavy equipment operator in Northern Alberta, Canada. She's an international motivational speaker and the author of Dream Big, an autobiography about overcoming a lifetime of trauma and abuse that led to dreams of success. Kathy inspires people the world over to change their lives and improve their self-worth. Her book will change your life. She's passionate about personal growth and believes anyone can change their circumstances and overcome their obstacles if they believe in themselves. Her life will amaze you and seriously inspire you. Be sure to order a copy of her book, Dream Big, on Amazon.com. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry, our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at TruckingMovesAmerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. Jean Peelan is just an amazing woman. She's had six careers in her lifetime, and she's still going strong. She's moved mountains as a mother, civil rights attorney, former chief of staff for U.S. Broadcasting. She was shortlisted as a finalist for the show Survivor. She's been a politician and author, and she teaches women it's never too late, and they can do anything. She's still going strong at 82 as an author, and she inspires women of all ages her new autobiography, Feisty, will make you laugh, cry, and get inspired to be nothing short of feisty and determined to be anything you want to be. Feisty is the story of a woman with attitude, told in short reflections that capture a life of awakening activism. From Jean's adventures as a five-year-old New Jersey cowboy to hosting Gloria Steinem in Alabama to an awkward drink with a young Clarence Thomas, Jean Peelan shares her civil rights journey and the most vulnerable moments in her life. We're honored to have her on the show, and we've been learning so much from her. Jean, you're such an inspiration, 
and you've got so many projects you're always working on. Besides your book, what's your latest project? You know, I now, of course, I've got a new passion now, which is that, you know, I started a, a, a website and a Facebook group called Old Women Who Write. Mm -hmm. And I got a lot of pushback on the word old, let me tell you. Um, but I insisted that we say old women who write. And it's because I, boy, since I've been retired this time, I've really done a lot of thinking about women in their 70s and 80s and 90s who we've lost our place entirely in this society, in this culture, that we used to have a role, you know, the wise elder yes. uh, role. Well, it's mm -hmm. just gone because everybody's mobile. You know, we don't live in the same town with our grandparents and our children and our children's children. Right. So there's nobody to be wise to. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And so I think we old women have just sort of lost, oh my goodness, these machines, they're mowing lawns, can you believe it? Um, <laughs> I think we have lost a sense of who we are and what our purpose is now yeah. in our 70s and 80s and 90s. So I'm encouraging women our age to write, to write, 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 write nonstop. You know, to, my goodness, can you hear this? Yeah, we're, oh, yeah. we're hearing yeah. the buzz. I'm so sorry. Well, that's all right. Best to shut it out. So my goal now is to say, let's us in our 70s, 80s, 90s, figure out why we're here now. You know, if we have 20, 30 more years to be on the earth, we better have a reason to get up in the morning. And so that's my goal now. And I'm having great fun. And I'm having great fun with TikTok. I had to invite my youngest granddaughter here for a week to teach me social media. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which she did. She taught me how to do TikTok, how to do Instagram. So I'm having a wonderful time with that's, those now. It's terrific. Yep. No, you're inspiring people and you're right. Society, I think, for both men and women as they get older, they've kind of lost their role. And I think yeah. some of this is disrespect and the yeah the disconnect we've had in society even though we are digitally connected it seems like we're not connected yes. and we've lost sight of the value of the people the humanity well, i agree with you so much yes yeah. yes that's right and and i think that in this society where people get to retire at age 60 or 65 many people do get to retire then their life has no purpose and I just personally don't think that playing golf, canasta, going out for lunch, taco trivia is, is enough. Right. I just think it's enough to fulfill our lives, to have us know why we're still here. You know, so, yeah, of course, I'm on a new crusade. That's what my daughter said. Okay, mom, see you're on a new crusade. <laughs> I love it. And your book is so insightful. It's going to inspire so many people. Where do people find your book? Oh, oh, they can find it easily. First of all, Feisty, a memoir in little pieces. And it's on Amazon. And it's on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. And I recorded it. So it's on audio. Um, you can listen to it in your car. Um, it's on all three of those. And, it, you know, it's just widely available. 
Wonderful. This is just what the doctor ordered for women to get inspired. And if they thought that they had no sense of purpose, all they have to do is read your book. I hope so. Mm -hmm. I do. I do. Yeah. I love it, Jean. You're such an inspiration and you're really entertaining. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. You know, life is entertaining, you know, and, and I, I'm not sure how I get how I would have gotten through 82 years without a sense of humor. You know, that's the truth. Yeah. Sense of humor yeah. really is. Uh, that's something everybody has to have going through life as a grump. It's just going to make it so much worse when you run into issues. Right. And it's good to have the ability to laugh at yourself. That too. Oh, I yep. oh my God. I do that all the time. You know, yeah. it's like, oops, I did a Shelly. <laughs> Let's yeah, laugh. Right. You know? <laughs> but when you get caught by the cops climbing over a fence in Washington, D.C. You know? Ooh. Well, thank oh, you, Jean, for being back on the show. I hope you sell millions of books. Oh, so, so do I. So do I. Let, listen, next time we talk, you're going to help me pick out what actress is going to play the lead. <laughs> All right, for your, your movie. Absolutely. I love it. Well, we can dream. We can dream. Why yeah. not? I think people watch it. I would. Uh, yeah. Listen, I want to say you two keep doing what you're doing. I, I said it last time, but I want you to hear it again. I really admire the two of you, what you're doing in life, what you're doing with this podcast. I think uh, it's wonderful. Thank, thank you, Jean. Thank you so much. Yes, we're on a mission to empower women. I know you are. Yeah. Doing it. You're doing it. Well, thank you. And so are you, Jean. This is great. Thank you for being back on the show. Sure. Y'all take care of yourselves. You too. (laughs) Talk to you soon. (laughs) If you want to learn more about Jean Peelin and get even more inspiration from her incredible life story, be sure to check out our earlier interview on Women Road Warriors with her. It's episode number 68. It's entitled, A Woman Who's Had Six Careers Says It's Never Too Late. It's worth a listen, definitely. And don't forget to buy her book, Feisty, A Memoir in Little Pieces. We hope you've enjoyed this latest episode. And if you want to hear more episodes of Women Road Warriors or learn more about our show, be sure to check out womenroadwarriors.com. And please follow us on social media. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to be a guest on the show or have a topic or feedback, email us at sjohnson at womenroadwarriors.com. Mm-hmm.